got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBronto, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller. Goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! Welcome back. We are live for another episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. I'm joined with my co-host as always, Ben. Ben, how are you doing out there? Doing great on this fine evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm trying to stay dry, uh, but it's not It's not from the rain like it is down there in uh, beautiful Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where you are. It's, uh, it's this weird powdery stuff. I'm not sure what it is. It, uh, it keeps falling from the sky. Not really sure what to do or report back later with my findings, but um, I'm doing well. Uh, just stayed in tonight, watched a lot of great college basketball. There was plenty of great college basketball on tonight, including our LSU Tigers. Ben, what were your takeaways from this great win against Georgia? You know, LSU starting to stack up the conference wins. They're now over 500 in conference play. Big win in the PMAC tonight. Yeah, I mean, a game that you expected them to come out and dominate. But this is just big for their the morale of the team. I really think they really need this one to just kind of feel really good about themselves and uh, get themselves going in these last five or six games, especially the Kentucky and the Arkansas games on the stretch. I think this is just really a big confidence booster, you know, showing they can score the basketball when they need to, showing they can shoot. You know, Brandon Murray shooting better and better, it seems, as it goes throughout the year. He had three three-pointers tonight. And his stroke is just looking a lot more consistent as the year goes along. Tari Eason was doing Tari Eason things. Now, you just hope that he stays healthy. And as long as he's healthy out there, he keeps it rolling. The only games he really struggled this year is when he was dealing with the cramps. But um, other than that, man, really good game. You know, Georgia's not much competition, even though they have tested the bigger, the bigger names in this conference. They almost beat Auburn. They did beat Alabama. So... You know, a potential landmine they avoided tonight. They really ruled. They really ratcheted up the defensive intensity on the press, and uh, it was it was over into the second half. I was just really happy to see LSU get ahead early and stay ahead and, and really put their foot on the gas and keep going, not letting Georgia really sniff anywhere back in, into the lead. Their defense was incredible tonight. They constantly were trapping at midcourt. The guards for Georgia were 
completely overmatched by this LSU defense. It was really if you're if you're really into defense, this was this was the game for you. Um, LSU put on an absolute clinic on how to trap the basketball at the half court. I, I'm not really sure why Georgia's guards kept picking up the ball at half court, but it it definitely worked for LSU's favor. So that was great to see. And Ben, do you know the last time LSU was over 500 in conference play? This season? Yeah, this season. Um, I guess after the Tennessee game? Well, we were 3-1 and one at one point, so we lost a game after that. But I'm not sure what that game was. So we the last time we were over 500 in SEC play was after our loss to Arkansas on January 15th. So it's been a month since we've been over 500 in conference play. This is a big win. LSU has an opportunity to kind of keep stacking on these wins going into Kentucky on the road. uh, You know, it's never easy traveling in in conference play. I I get it. South Carolina has not really been the best team, but you have to take care of business against South Carolina, stack that win up, uh, be at eight and six in conference play before heading into Kentucky. So it, it, it really was great to see LSU kind of humming defensively as well as offensively. They, you know, they scored the ball. Most of that was a result from, from their transition endeavors on the fast break after they just kept stealing the ball over and over and over. Um, so, yeah. That's that's really all I have for the game. I'm, I'm kind of just really excited for the team going forward. Really excited that X is is looking a little bit more healthy. I, I mean, I still think he he should get some rest, but it, it is nice to see him out there again. Yeah, he's looking probably I would say 85 percent right now. Still doesn't have quite the legs of him on his jump shot, but he's driving the ball really well. He just doesn't have all the explosion yet driving, but he's. He, you know, he's crafty enough and he's smart enough of a player with all his experience that he doesn't have to use just speed to get into the lane and to dictate play and uh, lay off passes and get around the big guy and stuff like that. He really uses his pace and his change of pace quite well. And, um, you know, you hope by the end of the season going into the conference tournament or going into the dance that he has some of those legs back under him because they're going to need him to start shooting the ball well again. Absolutely. Well, LSU travels to South Carolina this weekend. Like I said, looking to go eight and six now in conference play before heading into Kentucky and then Missouri and Arkansas and Alabama to finish it off. Ben, right now with the SEC landscape where it is, do you see any changes happening? Um, And just to recap for the audience at home, the current standings of the SEC are as follow. Auburn's 12 and one. Kentucky's 10 and 3, Tennessee is 10 and 3, Arkansas is 9 and 4, and then LSU and Alabama are both 7 and 6. And uh that's gonna be really important. This may come down to the last game between LSU and Alabama as to who or Arkansas, who can get that fourth seed. You know, is Arkansas gonna fall off a little bit? Can they lose a couple games here down the stretch? They do have some really hard games. They have uh Tennessee, they have Florida, Kentucky. LSU and then Tennessee again. So they're going to have a really tough stretch. So can LSU or Alabama string some games together these last uh, these last five games 
I mean, if LSU goes four and one and gets the win over Arkansas and Sailing loses the game to Kentucky, I mean, they're going to be looking really good at the four seed, but vice versa. If, if Alabama does really good down a stretch, we could be at a last Saturday game between LSU and Alabama to see who gets the four seed. And it's going to be really important to get that double buy, I think, in this year's tournament. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of kind of to provide some context into what Ben's saying there, that the reason that four seed is so pivotal in the SEC tournament is that you get a double buy, whereas the five, six seed, they they get the the lesser of the two teams who play early on in the play in game. And then six, six, um, uh, I'm sorry, seven and eight, then draw the nine and 10 seeds. So 11 through 14 play in a play in game and then five and six get the buy. So it's it's really pivotal for LSU to at least stay in that five or six spot, but to potentially get up to that um, four seed if they can knock off Arkansas, and if Arkansas slips up a few more times, that'll be huge. Yeah, Alabama has a pretty soft schedule going into. They do go to Kentucky this Saturday, but then they have Fandy, South Carolina, A&M before that last matchup with LSU. So, you know, unless Arkansas – really wins a bunch of these big games. I mean, they have two against Tennessee. I mean, none of these games they play are easy going in. At Florida is never easy. And then Kentucky, two Tennessees, and an LSU. I mean, they could really lose a bunch of games down the stretch, and we could be looking at uh, LSU and Alabama, I think, really. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. It's it's never out of the question with this conference to, to see upsets. So it really wouldn't surprise me. But I, I, don't, I don't see any change at the top in terms of Auburn, Kentucky, or Tennessee. I, th- I think those teams are really starting to play the, their best ball. I know Kentucky just had that huge loss at Tennessee, but uh, it, t- Tennessee was kind of due for that after what Kentucky did to them in Lexington. Yeah, who are some teams in the middle or maybe the bottom of this conference that you think could really create some havoc in the in the tournament? I think my eyes first go to Vanderbilt, right? Yeah, uh, so I mean Vanderbilt's definitely one team that that comes to mind just because they, you know, I mean, the the, the truth about the one player is is really in all tournament aspects of basketball. So same same thing applies for conference tournaments, right? I mean, Scotty Miller could, I mean, Scotty, not Scotty Miller, Jesus, Scotty Pippen Jr. could definitely get hot and and lead this Vandy team. I love Jerry Steck as a, as a coach. It, it really wouldn't surprise me. Um, if their three-point shooting can kind of wreak havoc in the SEC tournament. But the team that has my eye, Ben, it's it's Frank Martin, South Carolina Gamecocks. Like, I, I get it. You know, they didn't have a good non-con, and they had bad losses to Princeton and Coastal. They, you know, have kind of strong com- conference losses with conference wins throughout the year. You know, dropping three in a row, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, then winning three in a row against teams they should beat, then dropping another three, and now another kind of stack of wins. But they have LSU this weekend. I, at the end of the day, I just love Frank Martin. I think he's a great coach, and you know, coaching, coaching wins in March. So I wouldn't really rule South Carolina out to potentially create some havoc in the conference tournament. Yeah, my thing with South Carolina, they just really haven't upset I guess any of these top six teams that we're really looking at I mean anytime they've played those they've kind of gotten handled but uh you know we'll see they got LSU and the Auburn down the stretch so we'll see if they hang in some of those games but I mean South Carolina's done a really good job of winning these games 
uh, these tight games in against teams that are probably not kind of their level. You know, they got a three-point game on a buzzer beater the other night against Ole Miss. You know, they had a good win against um, against A&M. They had a really good win against Vanderbilt. So I'm just not sure if they can take down an Auburn, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, some of those teams quite yet. But I, I just said Vanderbilt just because of the shooting. I mean, we've seen in different games, not only Scotty Pippen Jr. Uh, be a scorer, but also be a distributor and get some of his guys going. I mean, in the LSU game, they had two guys going from deep. And uh, in this game tonight, he was really doing well against Auburn of um, facilitating and letting his guys get going. The seven-footer has been uh, – um, I want to say his last name is Robbins – has really been a good addition to this team midway through the year. He's very talented for seven-foot. I mean, at one point in this game, him and Walker Custer were just going back and forth like it was the 80s or something, just playing bully ball, stepping out, hitting a couple mid-range shots. I mean – it was really fun there for a second for Auburn pulled away, but um, you know he's gonna be a problem for some of these teams, especially a team like LSU or a team like Alabama. I don't think really have anyone that can compete with him down low. He's really talented, and I wish they would have had him the whole year. I think this Vandy team could have uh, turned into different uh, fortunes throughout this season. I think they might have been a lot better team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. On to our segment, High Major Player of the Week. So, Ben, who from the Power Six basketball conferences really stuck out to you as the Player of the Week? I watched him play uh, his full game on Saturday at Michigan. EJ Liddell, I've mentioned him in the past, is one of the best players in the country. And he just plays with such physicality for his position. You know, he's kind of a combo wing forward. He just really gets down low. He was he was scoring on Hunter Dickinson, one of the best interior post defenders in the country at will. Just really bringing the physicality of the game. He rebounds the ball really well, too. He had 28-5 and five in that win at Michigan. A really good win for Ohio State against the surging Michigan side, who had won a couple games against top teams in the conference in a row. And then he followed it up with a nice 16-10 uh, and 10 performance and stomping the head over Minnesota. He didn't even get that many minutes in the win, but he also played really well. And um, I just wanted to highlight him. I think we forget about him and Ohio State sometimes because they're kind of mixed up in the middle of this Big Ten title race. I mean, you look at all the Big Ten teams. They're all just right there together. Even Purdue or Illinois haven't really separated themselves yet. They're kind of all mixed in there with the Ohio States and the Michigan States, and they'll drop games to these mid-level or low-level Big Ten teams because these teams are good. You know, the Rutgers of the world and the Penn States of the world, these teams are really well coached. It's a really deep conference. But uh, EJ Liddell has pretty much shined all year. I'm just impressed with the physicality uh, and the way he plays basketball. You know, he's really hard-nosed. He's going to stick his nose in there all the time. He's not scared of contact. And, uh, yeah, so he was my player of the week. Very impressed with EJ Liddell this year. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, hopefully EJ Liddell – sees the second weekend in the tournament this year. So that would be nice for him. But he's a fantastic player, and I'm glad he can keep uh, preying on uh, those Big Ten opponents. My player of the week is someone who plays in a real basketball conference, the SEC, and it's Walker Kessler. Uh, Walker Kessler, you know, after after a tough loss to Arkansas in Arkansas, he responds by posting another one of his special triple-doubles with blocks, uh, you know, 12 points, 12 blocks, 12 rebounds. It was it was a pretty special performance from him. And then 
Tonight, he had 22 points, seven rebounds, and seven blocks. So he's he's really starting to come come you know come to form. I could I could potentially see him make an SEC first team. I still think he makes SEC second team just because of Shuiwe, but he's he's really been special this year. And I was a hundred percent wrong on him because I was extremely critical of me Walker too. Kessler coming into the year, and Walker Kessler has entirely shut me up. So kudos to you, my friend. Ben, what about your high major team of the week? You know, you gotta look at Rutgers here. I mean, these are the last four games. At home, 21-point win over Michigan State. At home, two-point win over Ohio State. On the road, eight-point win over Wisconsin. And then at home tonight, an 11-point win against Illinois. All ranked opponents, four straight games in a row, all wins. Pretty dominant in all of them, except the Ohio State game was really close. But, man, no one wants to go into the Jersey Mike's Arena in Piscataway. Just absolutely nobody. It's been a horror a horror show for these top-ranked Big Ten teams. They took out Purdue early in the year at home as well. And, man, it's it's like when they get in their home building, they're just, they've are just they just been transformed into a different kind of team. And Rutgers, are really, they've really bought their way onto the bubble here. I mean, it's hard to ignore all these quality uh, Quadrant 1 wins. So uh, I see them as a tournament team right now, honestly, because when you look at all these other bubble teams, they have one, maybe two quadrant one wins. They just had four in a row. And it's it's really hard to ignore that at this point. I know they have some really bad losses. They lost the University of Lafayette at home this year. Just just not great at all. But at some point, your really good wins are going to outweigh your really bad losses. And I think that's going to be this Rutgers team at the end of the year. And I think they'll end up getting their way into the tournament. I, I think I think you just wanted to uh, to dunk on me for our for our, uh, conference seeds early in the year where we were kind of um, <clears throat> listing teams and uh, where they were in the tournament going forward. And, uh, you know, I was rather critical of Rutgers and said that Rutgers is not going to make the tournament. And you said they would make the tournament. And here we are. And Rutgers is probably going to make the tournament and why did i say it's because they play most of their high profile games at home this season and they've taken advantage of that i'm just there's just something different about going into piscataway to play this team than hosting them in your own stadium i don't know what it is i can't explain it maybe it's the tony sopranos juju or something but it's just different it's it's really different and um shout out to steve peichel pounding nails Hundred percent. I love. I love that program. Well, my team of the week, Ben, is the Tennessee Vols. The Tennessee Vols have really stepped up and kind of answered. You know, their calling. Uh, there was there was a point in the year where, where Tennessee was really starting to slip. They were fourteen and six after that that Texas loss and. They have rallied off five straight big wins, you know, against Texas A&M home at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, then beating Vanderbilt, who's, who's your rival. And, you know, we, we've talked about how pesky Vanderbilt is. But then the huge win home against Kentucky, beating them um, to another 10-3 and three in the conference. And they've kind of taken a stronghold in, in that three seed for the conference. And 
they're really looking good. Their, their offense is really starting to come together defensively. They're always going to play great defense, but the offense is starting to take form and you're, you're really seeing Kennedy Chandler step up as, you know, as the talented freshman that he is. So I'm really excited for that team going forward. Who's your player of the week? I mean, who's your player of the week for the mid-major, low-major region? This is a guy who his last two games have kind of been pedestrian for the kind of player he is. And his last two games, he scored 30 points and 37 points. And that just really highlights the kind of year that Peter uh, Peter Kiss has been having for Bryant. The six foot five senior has just really got his shot going this year. He's scoring at will. You know, this Bryant team have probably lost some games that they shouldn't have lost this year. They just took a bad loss to Long Island. But, you know, they're still looking good in conference. And Peter Kiss has just been unbelievable. He's risen to the top of the scoring in the NCAA now at, I want to say, 29, uh, 24 points per game, 5.9 rebounds and 3.3 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field and 78% from the free throw line. You're thinking 44%, you know, that's really good. That's not outstanding. The kid's taking the sixth most shot, six most shot possessions, shots and possessions in the entire nation. So there's a lot of load on his back. He's taking a ton of shots every single game. He took 24 shots two games ago, 29 shots last game. And so he's being really asked to do a lot, and he's stepping up to the plate. He's had a 30-point game, a 37-point game, a 32-point game, a 33-point game. He's just really filling it up right now in the uh, Northeast Conference. And uh, we really hadn't talked about him this year much, but the kid is just scoring at will, and I thought we should highlight him this week. I love it. Well, I want to go down to Albuquerque, New Mexico, into the pit where Richard Bertino is coaching. In his first year at New Mexico, they're kind of struggling their ass off this year. I'm not going to lie. Um, they started 0-7 in Mountain West Conference play. Um, but you know, Ben, this is, this is one of my favorite teams in the country. I I love this New Mexico team. And the reason I love the Lobos so much is because they have Jamal Mashburn Jr. Yes, that Jamal Mashburn Jr. But you know who else they have? They have my player of the week. And that is Jalen house, who is Eddie house's son. They have two former NBA players sons. And I just, I love this team. They, if they, if Jamal Mashburn and Jalen House stick together, so Jalen House is a junior. If he sticks together for next year, look out for this team come March. Um, but Jalen House this week, he upset Wyoming, and and you know how big on Wyoming we are. But Jalen, but Jalen House went ahead and said, "I'm I'm putting the team on my back. We're in the pit." That, you know, no one comes into the pit and gets a W. I don't care who you are, even if you're Wyoming and Graham E.K. and Hunter Maldonado. And he dropped 34 points, four of seven from the three, just like his dad. Uh, also had seven turnovers. So, you know, there's the there's the Eddie House effect right there as well. But added six assists, had two steals, and had a block. Uh, so, yeah, Jalen House is definitely my player of the week, uh, you know, Against Air Force February 5th, he had a 42-point game, 4-7 from 3, 11-15 from the field. Um, you know, and he can he can really just score with anyone in the country. He's definitely a volume guy. He has 117 three-point attempts this year. He's only shooting 33% from the field. 
uh, from there. So not not great, but he is he's a certified hooper, and I just love watching him play because he's going to get up, he's going to get his shots, and if he's hitting, he can upset Wyoming. So shout out to the Lobos and, and shout out to Richard Patino. Anytime I can get a Patino shout out on the show, you know I have to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jalen House is just is just a baller. Uh, sad to see Wyoming lose. It came out really flat the other night and couldn't quite catch up with uh with House and, and Mashburn and the others. But uh, yeah, really good win for them. Uh, my mid major team of the week this week is going to be Saint Bonaventure, and what really made me pay attention to them was their uh, two other last three games. They played Saint Louis back to back, who I mentioned on the last podcast as being a team surging to the bubble, had really been playing really good basketball, stomped them in both games. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a pretty big rivalry between these those two schools. You know, they don't really like each other a lot. St. Bonaventure really took it to them, and then they followed it up with the 83-71 to win against UMass. They're 8-4 uh, and four in conference now. I'm, I'm not sure that their at-large resume is, is looking that great. You know, they're, they're 87 in the net. They they are three and three in quad one now, but they have three quad two losses and a quad four a quad three loss. Excuse me. So uh, I'm not sure if their resume is looking quite that great. They do have a, a non conference wins over Boise and Marquette. So you know maybe if they can rattle off some of these last games, they could be looking at the bubble. They play Duquesne, they play Rhode Island, St. Joseph's, VCU, and Richmond. So four or five very winnable games for them. Now they're not going to gain much in terms of resume boosting from those games, but there's always the tournament where they're going to face St. Louis's and Davidson's and teams of those likes. So we'll see with St. Bonaventure, but you know, with Kyle Lofton hanging this team at the beginning of the season, you really thought that they were kind of, they were kind of going to be in the position of where St. Louis and Davidson are right now, but you know, they struggled heavily to start the year. They, they did take a bad loss to Northern Iowa and then they got shellacked by Virginia tech and then they lost a game to George Mason. So, you know, those losses are going to look really bad on their resume. But maybe if they can get hot going in, they can they can do something. They're playing their best basketball this season by far. So, uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, St. Bonaventure team of the week. The way they destroyed a St. Louis in back-to-back games was awfully impressive. Absolutely. Well, my mid-major team of the week is is a, is a low-major team, and they're in my favorite low-major conference, the Atlantic Sun. And, and as we told you last week on this show, the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament is going to be one of the best conference tournaments. You want this conference on your radar. A team we didn't mention last week, we actually mentioned, uh, you know, arguably their big brother or arguably their little brother, if, if, if who you ask, Jacksonville State. We mentioned them last week as a potential team that we could see getting in to the tournament from the A-Sun. But we didn't really talk too much about Jacksonville, uh, the Fighting Dolphins from Jacksonville, Florida. And they have really come on since losing to Jacksonville State, beating Eastern Kentucky, beating Liberty, beating Stenson. They're they're hot and getting hot at the right time going into the conference tournament. Uh, the Dolphins have been unbelievable at home. You put me onto that. Great trend uh, to follow, you know, in, into the last two games of the season against Kennesaw State and North Florida. I would recommend getting on that. I made some money. I wet the beak a little bit the other day on the Dolphins. So since I wet the beak, I have to give a shout out to them. And I have to give a shout out to Kavion Nolan, who has been really hot from three this year. You know, he is a volume shooter, but unlike Eddie House, uh, his son, Jalen House, he shoots a little bit closer to the 40% clip uh, on 136 threes for the year. He's shooting 39% 
He's also shooting 90% from the line. I'd like for him to get to the rim a little bit more, but that's okay. So this Jacksonville team, they've been great on home, and they were stacking up some big wins against Eastern Kentucky and Liberty. Yeah, whenever you think about Jacksonville, you really think about defense. You know, they're in the top 100 in defense in the entire country. And, uh, man, whenever they get teams at home, they just really put a stranglehold on them, keep them under 60, under 65 points, and just find a way to get themselves close to – the 65 70 mark and win a lot of these games they've held a lot of teams to way below their season average yeah i like the jacksonville dolphins they're gonna be awfully dangerous in the conference tournament well we're gonna have a little bit of fun here we're gonna play you know we, we like to play games we like to have fun segments interactive segments so this is definitely a segment where i think we we want to see who, who you all at home have as your teams in these tiers uh you know we've we're all about tier talk here on, on the line enterprises and we're going to play a little pretender contender a la John Clayton and Sean Salisbury. If you remember that in the early ESPN days, but we're going to do our own little twist on it. So we're going to have three tiers here. Uh, and these are all our opinion. These aren't necessarily w- what the teams think in, in terms of how they view themselves or, or really how the meet national media views them or even how Ken Palm views them. Uh, these are entirely just us off the off the cup takes that are definitely not going to bite us in the ass now that we're being recorded. Uh, so we have championship bust, pretty self-explanatory. The next one we have is, is final four aspirations. So these are teams where you, you probably should definitely consider putting them on in your final four for the season, but also just Teams where Ben and I see as the, the final four is kind of the goal. Like it would be a successful season if these teams could hang up in their in their home arena final four 2022. It's that's a successful season for these teams. But you know, we don't necessarily think these teams can't win win it all. It's just we think the success is determinate on them making the final four. And then the last teams are potential first weekend flops. So these are teams, um, you know, the the initial teams that come to mind are those uh, Coach K teams that lost to Lehigh and Mercer, but also Bill Self losing to UNI or potentially the Villanova Nova team that lost to that NC State team. So one seeds, two seeds, three seeds that that couldn't even get out of their uh, their you know regional for the for the first weekend of of March. Ben, I'll let you take center stage. Uh, Who's in your championship or bust tier? I think whenever you think of teams that are going to be in the championship this year, I think your eyes immediately go to Gonzaga and Auburn, just the dominant way that they've played basketball all season, scoring a lot of points, playing really good defense, and uh, just a lot of athleticism out there, a lot of skill. You you think about Gonzaga, you think about Chet Holmgren and, and Drew Timmy. I still think Drew Timmy has to be one of the best players in the country. He's got so much experience. He just knows how to get the ball in the bucket. You know, he's not the tallest. He's very tall, but he's not seven foot three like Zach Eady or anything. He's not fast per se. He's definitely got a quick twitch going on. He's got just great moves. He's got great footwork, and he uses that all to his ability. Not the best athlete in the world, but, man, just a great college basketball player. And then Auburn, you know, Walker Kessler has just been a revelation for them, really put this whole team together. Without a guy like Walker Kessler to really clean up their 
their defensive lapses at some times and letting guys to the rim. Without that, I'm not sure that they're quite the team we're talking about today. You know, Walker just gives them this huge boost on defense, cleaning up mistakes all over the place, taking away easy baskets from guys, and um, really letting these guards cook on the offensive end, especially Wendell Green. You think of just a chucker, a guy who can just get really hot coming off the bench this year. He's been, he's been really, really good for them. But Gonzaga and Auburn, very complete. And then I'll look at teams like Kansas, Kentucky, and Arizona who may not, you know, have all the pieces to win the championship, but they have championship players on their team. I mean, when you think about Kansas, you think about Ogbaji and you think about Christian Braun, I still, I'd like them as my best backcourt in America. Um, I, I just trust Ogbaji to always make the right play. You know, I think about this Texas game a couple of weeks ago that they lost. I thought it was... BS. I thought the refs were it, but regardless, you know, they were double and triple teaming him coming off every single screen. And he just realized what was happening and he just pulled guys away from his teammates, allowed them to thrive. He, he just always really makes the right decision on the basketball court. And Christian Braun's a great running mate for him. Again, a very smart basketball player, really good shooter. And so that tandem to go along with guys like McCormick, I think, and uh, if they can get Remy Martin back playing well and, and healthy, for, uh, most importantly, I think Kansas has a bunch of pieces they can put together and make a good run. Uh, Kentucky as well. I think Kentucky has two extremely good guards and Tashube, one of the big, big, best big men in America, to go along with some of these you know, young, lanky wing pieces who maybe mature in the tournament and really get it going. But we've seen games where they score 90, 100 points and I think they're capable of doing that and putting it together and really putting good defensive performance together in the tournament. And then the last one I have is Arizona, one of my favorite teams this year. I just, you know, nobody really expected them to be here at all. You know, first year coach, you know, a new mixture of players going on, but Matherin has just been an absolute revelation. I mean, I would draft him in the top five in this upcoming draft. He's just absolutely incredible. I, whenever I think about, really dominant guards and wings in the country. I think about him and Jabari, and I think about um, Jaden Ivey. I mean, they just seem to be in a league of their own, pairing their athleticism with their scoring ability. And it's just really impressive what this Arizona team has done. I love their big man. I love Creesa at point guard. And um, I I love their coach, man. I just think – that he's just done an absolutely incredible job. He'd be my coach of the year this year, uh, Tommy Lloyd. And, yeah, so those are my five teams. I really don't think anyone outside of that I, – I would put my trust in in performing six, five or six games in a row to get to a national championship game and hang a banner. So I, I really technically only have two teams in this, but I, I'm going to – I'm going to match you with five and I'm going to explain why I have the the next three. So the only two teams that I really view to me as championship or bust are, are Auburn and Gonzaga. I think those teams have kind of when they're at their best shown, shown a level that the the next three teams can't really match. Um, You know, I I mean, you, you said everything about Gonzaga and Auburn that I need to say. So I'll just kind of move on to the next the next group of three teams and why they're in the championship or bust. Uh, originally had Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas all in the final four aspirations. 
pool. But for Duke, one, they're blue blood. And two, it's Coach K's last year. And I, I, I don't want to like play that up too much. I don't, I'm not really the biggest K guy. I'm not the biggest Duke fan either. But it, it is it is a big deal. And I think he'd be lying to you if he said he didn't want to win it all this year. So those players that committed to him, especially Paulo Bancaro, they did so with the intention of winning a national title. And I think that is is really their MO going into the tournament. Does that mean I think they'll do it? No, but I think they truly believe they could. So, I, and, and I know that's obviously their goal. That's every team's goal, right? But K's got a little bit of that, uh, that, that K magic, if you get what I'm saying. So the next two I have are Kentucky and Kansas. And it's pretty much just, it, it boils down to, I, I think these are two teams who could easily be in the final four. And they could they could potentially win it all, but at the end of the day, if you're Kentucky and Kansas, the reality of the situation is you don't really care about Final Four banners. You know, if if LSU had a hold of Final Four banner, you and I would be thrilled. Uh, you know, or if Texas Tech or if Arizona, like that that's that's a big deal. Um, but I, I don't really think Kentucky and Kansas care about that anymore. So I kind of have them in that, in that championship or bust just because I know that is what their aspirations are. So why should I expect anything else? And they're definitely both capable of winning it all. So those are my championship or bust teams. Um, pretty much the same thing as you just, just swapping out Duke for Arizona. Yeah. Just, just when I think of Duke this year, I just would have liked to see them really run the table in the ACC or come close to it. I mean, it's been a struggle in a lot of these games. They've had a couple buzzer beaters. They had to put a put back dunk the other night to win the game. I just haven't seen enough consistency from them throughout the year. I mean, we saw them destroy Gonzaga in the first couple of weeks of the year. I mean, absolutely run them off the court. And so we've seen them before at really, really high level. But uh, I don't know. I just don't completely trust them quite yet. And specifically, Paolo, like when we think of the best players on these other teams that we are listing, I'm not sure I trust Paolo as much as the other guys, as much as Ibaji or Jabari Smith or Chet and Drew Timmy. I'm just not sure I'm quite there with him yet, as talented as he is. I, I get what you're saying, and it's it's fun to bag on the ACC, and it's fun to bag on the Big Ten like I love to do. But at the end of the day, even even in a down year for the ACC, those those environments are still tough. Like you still have to go to Chapel Hill. It's still a crazy environment. You still have to go to um, Virginia, wherever the hell that is. I'm drawing a blank on where Virginia is for whatever reason now. Charlottesville, right? Yeah, it is Charlottesville. I, <laughs> I, I shouldn't forget it's in Charlottesville for that thing that happened there either. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, I, the, the ACC, they still have great environments. It's kind of like, it, it's like if the SEC had a down year, you still have to go to a stadium that has a hundred thousand people. Right. And I, I do kind of want to give them a pass for that. And again, at the end of the day, it's K like it's his last year. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna work his voodoo devil magic, man. Like I, I just, I'm not going to rule the guy out. So that's 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 my argument for it. I, I get it's not sound. It's it's nothing I can measure, but that that Ken Palm luck factor is gonna gonna go the other way come March. I'm telling you. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, <clears throat> well, let's go ahead and move into our final four aspirations teams. You know, these are teams that probably don't think we don't think they have all the pieces to put it together and win the championship. 
with teams that I mean we look on whenever we go into the final four and they're they're in it we're just not, not really surprised and so um my first team would be Purdue and uh to start the year I really thought Purdue would be in this championship tier but their defense and lack of intensity on that side of the floor just really, really concerns me. And even their lack of intensity on the offensive side of the floor sometimes. Uh, but, but man, whenever you watch Purdue, you're like, how are they not winning every single game by 30 points? I mean, the talent they have on the floor at all times, it's just spews over. Jaden Ivey is incredible. I mean, I like to say that he's this year's college basketball's version of John Morant. I mean, he's just so damn athletic, flies around the court, getting blocks, dunking the ball. You know, he's had some shooting slumps this year, but he's had some games where he really shot the ball really well, and that's that's scary for the other teams that he's playing. And then and then they have Edie and Williams down low who just fair, really can control the game and keep them at pace and scoring on the block. You know, you got to have some of the other guys stick up. You got to have somebody like Mason Gillis start making some shots. But uh, Stefanovic seems like, he shows up for every game offensively, but I haven't seen them show up for two, three, four games in a row and really play defense. And so that's why I have them in this tier. Um, the next team I would have is Texas Tech. I feel like I've talked about Texas Tech at ad nauseum, but I just love the physicality and toughness they bring on the defensive end. I'm not sure that they have the offensive consistency every single night but I'm not sure they need it every single night. You know, they play such good defense that sometimes they only need to get the 63, 65 points to win a game. And so I, I really respect this Texas Tech team. I think they're going to uh, be in the mix, you know, going into the second weekend, going into the final four. My next team is Tennessee, um, a team that I did not think I would be putting here a couple of weeks ago. But, man, after watching them just absolutely dismantle Kentucky last night, you got to respect you got to put a certain amount of respect on the way Kennedy Chandler's playing right now has just been really, really good. And um, they, they have the three point shooters that can really get it going. I'd love that Plaskovich, you know, in the last month, month and a half has started to assume the big man role on their team more than John Fulkerson. I think he brings a lot more uh, physicality and toughness to that position for them. And uh, Rick Barnes is a great coach. He, he's a really good coach, and he, he really motivates his guys to keep it going. They've taken this certain edge in the last month that they're the bad boys and that everyone hates us. And uh, more times than not, that works out for teams and sports. And then my last two are Illinois and Texas, and they're on here for extremely different reasons. Texas would be kind of like Texas Tech. You know, they just have so much physicality. They do struggle scoring a lot, but I, I think the physicality on defense, much like LSU, they get a bunch of calls on them on, you know, foul calls on them and they get into foul trouble. But I think once the tournament starts, that's going to go down for teams like Texas and LSU. They let you play more physical in the tournament. You know, they let you really go at it at the rim and stuff like that and on rebounds and trying to steal the ball. So I think they'll flourish whenever it comes tournament time. It's just, can they get their guards going and can they score the ball? You know, can Ramsey and can Marcus Carr, who just seems like he just can't, you know, he has all the talent. You've seen it, but he just can't get it going so far. And so that's really the key for them. And then Illinois, they just have the ultimate mismatch. I think in Kofi Coburn, you know, he disappears sometimes in games, which I really don't understand, but then the next game will have 37 and 12. And you're just like, well, just do that every single game. 
And I think if they play teams that don't have a big present inside, he just really eats them up sometimes. And I think that could be the case in the tournament. But that's not even really the reason I like Illinois. I think their guards are just so dynamic. They're really good shooters. Somebody like Trent Frazier is a really good player. Somebody like Corbello, I think, can take him to another level if he can get on the court for the minutes he should be playing and, uh, you know, really put together. He's somebody like Eric Gaines for LSU where he has moments where you're like, what are you doing? And then his other moments, you're like, you have all the What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You have all the promise in the world and you just put it together. And so I think Illinois is one of those teams that I think has too much talent to really ignore them. And if they can, they can put it together. I could see them in the final four for sure. So my final four teams are, I also have Tennessee. I also have Baylor. I also have Texas tech. I, I have didn't Arizona. Have Okay, okay, you didn't have Baylor. I didn't have Baylor because I think the injuries are going to catch up with them. I think, you know, Cryer being out for as long as he's been out, I'm not sure he gets it revved back up in time. And then uh, Jonathan Chachumwa uh, just tore his ACL this last weekend, and so they really only have one big guy. I know they have um, Socham. And the, the freshman, oh, I forget the freshman's name, who are kind of like combo forwards, you know, in that six, seven, six, yeah. eight range, but really athletic. But I'm just not sure they have enough down low. You know, if Thumba gets in foul trouble, I don't I they guess have, they just play really small. They have Matthew, they have uh, Matthew Meyer. Post presence, Matthew Meyer. <laughs> Post presence, Matthew Meyer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I, for- I see what you're saying. You got to respect. Scott Drew and, and their guards and their experience. That's basically what this pick is. I mean, that's that's why that's why I have Baylor. It's just entirely their coaching and their guards. Um, and I just I'm biased about James Akinjo. I'll I'll openly admit it. I'll openly admit my bias about James Akinjo. I also have Texas. I just think their 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 talent just oozes on the floor. Like I don't I don't really know if Scott. Uh, not Jesus. I don't know if Chris Beard's that great of a coach, but he can definitely get him. To, he definitely gets his teams to play defense, and he gets his teams to buy in on the defensive end, and that is massive. Um, and they love their mid range action, as we've mentioned on the show. So I, I definitely think Texas is a team that that could make a Final Four run. I, I don't have any Big Ten teams on my. Final four runs, and I don't have any Big Ten teams on my championship or bust. So that's going to leave me into my first week in flops. And I don't see any reason why we should expect anything different from the Big Ten. I, I get it. They have a lot of talented teams. I understand Purdue is awesome. I understand Iowa is awesome. Like, I I love three-point shooting. I love, I love great offense. And Iowa and Purdue constantly move the ball. But like you said, there's too many times when you watch those teams where – you have this thought of why don't you just do that every time? Why don't you just do that every time? And that's how I feel watching, you know, Williams and, and watching Edie and especially watching Jaden Ivy. But this Purdue team just loves the three point line. And I could easily see them. I could easily see them losing in the, in the first weekend of March. I mean, they did, they did it last year. They lost to North Texas last year. I get it. This is a different team. You know, Jaden Ivy's definitely kind of that X factor that they need, but I don't. I don't really trust them, and kind kind of same principle of Illinois. I, I definitely get what you're saying about, you know, 
when he when he faces a dominant big, they can you know he he does so many great things, and and you know I'm sorry, not when he faces a dominant big, when he faces a non-dominant big, he does so many things. But you would think you're you're going to see that in the first weekend, like you're going to see you know a smaller big, and he's just going to be able to dominate him. But the last my last image of them in the tournament is just Krutzwig just back cutting everyone open and just Kofi Coburn having no idea how to defend a simple dribble handoff. And I, I can't, I can't trust that team. I love their guards. I love Frazier, but Brad Underwood has, has kind of shown his cards at this point. And that's how I feel about the whole big 10. I'm not, I've not been impressed with Michigan state. It's just so, so many times these teams go on these scoring lulls and they just keep chucking or they they don't go back to what they work. And if you're entirely contingent on offense and you don't really play any defense, that's going to bite you in the tournament. I don't, I don't really care how good your guards are or like how good your offensive bigs are, but they don't play enough defense for me in the Big Ten. So I, 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 I don't trust any of those teams to make it out of the first weekend. I also have Nova and Providence kind of um, – <laughs> You know, I don't. I I know Nova just had a big win against Providence, but I don't think Providence is very good either. I don't think Nova's very good. I, I think these are teams that a Sweet Sixteen is going to be kind of my expectations for them. Um, maybe they make it to the lead eight. I, I don't. I don't see it coming. I I could easily see them losing in the first weekend, potentially even the first round. And then my last team's UCLA. I I could rant for the next 30 minutes on on this podcast about UCLA but I'm not gonna the the reality is the NCAA tournament produces sometimes some great Cinderella, Cinderella runs but you have to realize that maybe the Cinderella runs did not necessarily mean this team was the third or fourth best team and the perfect example is that UCLA team last year. I, I get it; they had a fantastic run. They even they were competitive with Gonzaga, but they should have lost a play-in game. And I just think, how different is our perspective of this UCLA team if they just lose to Michigan State in the play-in game, and then Michigan State loses the next round? Like, are we are we even talking with this team right now as someone that that we're looking up and saying, oh, you know, they could they could really make a run come March this year. I, I don't, I, I mean, I love Juzang and I love Hawkes. I love Tiger Campbell. I, I, I think the difference is Riley on the inside. I really do, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see it. I wish they played the, the, the young freshman stud that they have Peyton Watson. That kid's awesome. He's, he's he's special he's serious I, I hope he doesn't leave and he actually stays a couple of years in college because he's going to develop to a nice player so those are my uh kind of like flop teams and you have houston on yours i already see i, I don't even think houston should be considered in this i, I don't think they're good enough houston's definitely a team that's going to lose in the first weekend of march yeah i think whenever, whenever you talk about ucla and about you know, who they should feature more. I really think Jules Bernard should really be featured more on this team. I actually think he's in some, in some sense, a more dynamic player than Johnny Juzang. You know, Johnny Juzang's a lot of mid range and kind of finding his spot and pulling up. I think Jules Bernard is, is kind of a lot more dynamic. He brings a lot more pace to his game and uh, I think they should rely on him more, but 
I also have UCLA in this section. I mean, if we take out, I, I wish they had some sort of function on Ken Palmer net where you could take out one game and see what they would rank in all these metrics. Because if you take out the Arizona game that they won by 10 at home, where Arizona started, I believe, 0 of 11 from three to start the game, I'm not sure that they would look good in any of these metrics. Their only other wins are an overtime against Villanova on a neutral court and at Marquette. And nothing else on their schedule looks great. They lost to Oregon, lost to Arizona State, they lost to USC. They have no other good wins. I mean, I think I think it's a combination of how they finished the year last year in the in the uh, Final Four, and then how I don't know. I just guess because they brought those guys back and they started high ranked in the in the polls, but nothing I've seen this year has really impressed me. They did play really well in the Arizona win, but I thought me watching it, it was more of Arizona just came out and just absolutely threw a dud out there. And um, we saw the next game, Arizona, come out and really show who they are and, and beat them up pretty well. But, yeah, this UCLA team, I'm just not sure about it all. I also have Villanova on here. As much as I love Connor Gillespie, and I just don't think Dixon is, is going to hold up down low through a tournament whenever you're going to face dominant bigs, whenever you're going to face Coburn's and Edie's and even guys like Plaskovich or Thamba or Walker Kessler's or Toshibwe's, he's just not going to hold up. He's not big enough. He's not tall enough. He's, he's going to get out-rebounded, and they don't have enough bigs to help him out either. That's my main concern with them. I, I do love Connor Gillespie, and I think he can get him, you know, to a Sweet 16 Elite Eight just by his play alone. But, yeah, and then you talk about Houston. Yeah, I kind of almost didn't put him on here as, as – well, but they're still highly ranked. I still think they'll get a worse, like a five seed or something like that. But I really, I really think we'd be thinking differently about this Houston team with Marcus Sasser still on this team. I mean, to me, he's one of the top, you know, 10 guards in America. Whenever he's healthy, he's just, he's an awesome player to watch. And it's sad that they lost him this year, but without him, I don't see the ball handler, the dominant ball handler, the dominant score to really go with the defensive prowess you know they they said on the other side of the floor under uh Kelvin Sampson and then my last last team was Michigan State and you kind of talked about these big 10 teams I will say Michigan State really falls asleep on both sides of the floor sometimes and that's why I have them on here I will say you know you're talking about most of these big 10 teams kind of do fall asleep on defense and have a lot of offensive talent and I kind of mentioned this earlier, EJ Liddell. I feel like Ohio State most nights brings it on the defensive side of the floor. And I feel they like do. they do. I feel like they could be a team kind of like Texas, where, you know, they're just allowed to play physical in the tournament and they just really bring it to teams and, and crash the boards. And Liddell gets them 25, 30 points and, the, and they win games. And I could see stuff happening like that. I mentioned them earlier in the year as one of my sleepers. And um, their seasons kind of played out the way I, I thought it would. And so I'd like to mention them as, you know, possibly a team that does have a formula for success. It doesn't rely on them shooting the ball really well and scoring a lot of points per se, Purdue and Illinois at this point. Well, um, that's, I mean, that's pretty much that for that thought exercise. The only other team 
I would potentially want to mention would be Arkansas. I, I could say I, I, I could see Arkansas making making like an Elite Eight Final Four run. I don't think that's out of the possibility, but they're they're very um volatile team. I, I could easily see Arkansas losing the first game of the tournament. So they're extremely kind of up and down and it really just depends how they're going into the tournament before I judge them. I mean, I, I, know, I know we talk about LSU all the time, but if X really gets 100%, which I, I doubt, I, I really don't think we're going to see him 100% again this year. But if he does and they can get back to what they were again in those Kentucky and Tennessee games, all they have to do is really shoot the ball well in a game to beat an elite team. I mean, all they have to do is really shoot the ball well from three. They just, you know, get Murray and Days going in the game, and they can really beat anybody the way they play defense, the way they pressure him, and the way Tari's going to give you a consistent 15 to 19 points a night. And um, I thought we should just mention them a little bit. Um, and I don't expect them to really lose to a bad team. Like, I don't expect them to really get upset, you know, if they're up 60 and they're playing at 11. I, I expect them to handle it and handle that unless there's – just a really big mismatch. That's that's kind of been Will Wade's mo is is when when he's been in the tournament for LSU, he has very rarely lost to to the inferior team. Every time LSU has lost, whether it was to Michigan State or Michigan, I I comfortably felt that they were just better than us. Yeah, and I kind of felt well, not in the Michigan State game, but I felt in the Michigan game they had a path. To victory and they played oh, well for most of the game and they so yeah yeah they, i mean michigan just had it going shooting the basketball that night but fucking eli um, brooks yeah eli brooks out of nowhere just um, just unreal shooting night so for for the weekend what are what are some games you're looking at give the people maybe three marquee games i'll give them three marquee games and then we'll each pick our uh mid-major low major game of the week on Saturday, my eyes go straight to this Texas Tech-Texas game. This is going to be a drag-it-out brawl down in Austin. I mean, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be an extremely physical game. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch this game. Texas Tech has been one of my favorite teams to watch all year, and Texas is a team who's really been playing a lot better basketball. So looking forward to that. I would say the second game would be this Alabama-Kentucky game. Can Alabama respond? from just getting absolutely shellacked by them last weekend or two weekends ago, can, can they respond? Can they show that they have the same amount of talent as the Kentucky team and they can hang with them offensively because man, Kentucky really locked them down the last time they, they played each other. And then uh, my last game is this Notre Dame Wake Forest game. Uh, I think this is an interesting game. I think Wake Forest you know, they, they came out and played really well against Duke. I think this would be a good game for Wake Forest to establish themselves as a, you know, a top half of the bracket team. I think they can still get there. I think they have a good enough resume. And uh, Notre Dame got to keep stacking wins to stay off the bubble for right now. I think they're comfortably off the bubble. There's probably four, five, six teams off the bubble right now, but they got to keep stacking wins, and this would be a quadrant one win opportunity for them in, uh, at Wake Forest. I like it. Immediately, I'm going to Tennessee at Arkansas uh, in Bud Walton Arena for, for Eastern time. Tennessee's been hot. Their last loss was actually to Arkansas, I believe. Um, no, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I, I, I messed up. I, I got that confused. Um, but yes, Tennessee going into Arkansas, that's going to be a massive game. You know, kind of two teams that are looking to, to take control of that three, four seed. Then I'm, I, I'm going to make myself do it. I'm going to watch Big Ten basketball this weekend, Ben, at 12 Eastern. Uh, so it's going to be 10 Mountain Time. I'm going to get up. I'm going to watch Illinois at Michigan State. I I do enjoy this Illinois team in terms of their guards. I love Trent Frazier. Um, you know, th- this team's this team's special. It's just it's hard for me to get over last year. And anytime I can watch Andre Cabrello, I'm gonna do that. So I, I really expect the line eye to 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 I, I want them, yeah, they, they should they should handle business on the road. And I I might make a little uh healthy wager on this because I think Michigan State might be favored and I might sprinkle a little bit on the Illinois money line. Then I'm going to Iowa at Ohio State. Uh, two very contrasting styles. Iowa, I, I don't think they've ever ran a defensive drill in practice. I, I don't believe Fran McCaffrey really believes in defense. I respect it. They, they're looking to just go up and down and shoot threes. Ohio State's looking to pound it inside with EJ Liddell. So two extremely contrasting styles, and that's, that's my favorite thing about college basketball. In terms of mid-major, low-major, game of the week i mean it's you got san diego state at fresno state you got colorado state you know looking looking for revenge against unlv after unlv and jordan mccabe went into fort collins and beat them um you got st louis at davidson there's some good ones but i don't think there's anyone better than what's going on in birmingham at 4 p.m eastern and it's the north texas mean green visiting the uib blazers this game is it's for the conference USA regular season, essentially. I mean, these are two teams that are going to be fighting for that, for that automatic qualifier to the bitter end. And this is going to be a great early test to see which, which one of these teams looks a little bit uh, superior to the other. So I'm definitely going to be watching that game. Yeah. And you mentioned mine while you were talking about it. I think it's this Davidson and St. Louis game, you know, very intriguing guard matchup in this game. Davidson really hasn't been playing their best basketball lately, you know, struggling in a win against Duquesne, losing to Rhode Island, had to go to overtime to beat St. Joseph's. James Bishop was taking it to him against George Washington. They had to really pull that out towards the end. Close game of St. Bonaventure, close game of LaSalle, lost to DCU. So this dominant run that we saw them start the conference in has really faded for them, and their scoring output has gone down the last month or so. And, uh, this would be a great St. Louis win, I think, to get for them. You know, a home game, reestablish themselves at home, get the scoring back going. And for St. Louis, you know, they're really grasping at straws here to try to recover. You know, they got close to the bubble, and then they had those two bad losses at St. Bonaventure in a row and really set them back. But this winning against Davidson on the road would, would do a lot for them, I think. And there's still time for um, for St. Louis to do this thing. But – uh I think you got to look at the guard matchup with uh, Hung Jung Lee and then with uh, Yuri Collins on the other side. Yuri Collins, if you never watched him play basketball, he's just your quintessential point guard. You just love everything you see out of Yuri Collins, really shares the ball a lot, scores when he has to, but is more of a pass-first guard, really runs his team really well. So we'll see if St. Louis can bounce back on the road here against Davidson. Yeah, Foster Lore against Yorick Collins is worth the price of admission. So everyone everyone should definitely tune in to that game. That game's at 3.30 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. 
Ben, anything else before we hit the road? No, I think that's it. Um, just want to mention LSU is back to number one in defensive rating in Ken Palm after tonight. Uh, <laughs> a very dominant performance. This is like whenever um, this is like at the beginning of a baseball season, whenever you go like five of five and then your average goes up a lot. <laughs> I think this game did that for their defensive uh, rating. I think it really skyrocketed it. But uh, I think, you know, we think about LSU and even the AP poll thinks about LSU has really gone down a bunch of spots in these last couple of weeks, but the metrics really don't agree with that at all. I mean, they're still sitting 16 in Kip Palm. They're still sitting top 20 in the net. Their metrics are off the boards defensively and they're, they're not, they're bad offensively, but they're not so much where it ruins their defensive metrics. And so, you know, we'll see, we'll see if they can pull it down the end of the year. But I, I do think regardless, whenever we look at them on selection Sunday, the, the numbers are going to really uh, look well for LSU. Absolutely. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I, I did want to give a quick shout out to North Florida for pulling off a huge upset against Liberty. Um, you know, they were also a team that I was considering giving a shout out in the mid major low major. So just shout out to, to North Florida and the Ospreys, a huge win against um, Liberty. But as always like subscribe, share. Uh, we really appreciate it. Follow us at on the line NCA. Uh, we're now on all podcast platforms. So shout out to Ben, for doing that and the site's going to be launching this weekend and we're going to have a couple articles coming up so i'm also going to be traveling to fort collins to watch wyoming against colorado state it's a whiteout i'm gonna be sitting right next to the student section so i'll definitely be live tweeting that game um some pictures definitely to follow potentially a little a little dip of the pen if you would so we really appreciate the sport thank you as always see you